Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Turin going. It's going. It's going well. It's um it's been lively. Yeah, it's lovely. been animated, a lot of drama, all sorts going on. It's um yeah, as you would expect the tour finals to be. I've been focused on dubs action, which has been weird. Now I'm sure you didn't expect me to say that, but weird. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not selling it. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's been weird, fantastic. Good, weird, but <laughs> can you imagine, right? We've got unbelievably quick courts, some of the quickest conditions you can play in all year. And we, for the first time today, and today is Friday? Yes? Friday. So we're on Friday. day six of the tournament. Uh, so in the 11th match, we had our first tie break. Oh, wow. Very first in the doubles. We have had 20 sets and no, I know, 21 sets and wow. no tie breaks. Uh, I think it was in the 22nd we got our first tie break. And only two matches have gone to a, a match tie break as well in, in the third. So every set is following the same formula in that everybody's holding really easily. Looks like no one's going to win a point on return. And then somebody messes up a service game, drops first serve percentage, break of serve, bang. So all the sets have been 6-3, 6-4. I think we've only had one seven five. It's, yeah, really weird. And as we speak on Friday, who's looking favourites to come out on top in the doubles? Well, we've got well. Actually, we've got all of our semi-final places right. secured. So we've got Grenoyers and Zabayos, Gonzalez and Roger Vassalan, Ram and Salisbury, who are defending champs, and oh dear, <laughs> I literally just watched this match. <laughs> and uh, we have come on, um, look it up, Papana and Emden. <laughs> Papana and Ebden beat Kulhoff and Skopsky. I mean, that literally happened an hour ago. Um, you know, you watch so much tennis at this stage of the year as well. It all gets a bit jumbled up. But uh, yeah, Papana and Ebden came through. And um, but Rohan Papana on serve was out. He won something like 36, 37 points in a row on serve. He just did not lose a point. It was bizarre. Um, but yes, so those are our four pairs. I mean, look, as it is always with doubles, you could see anybody winning, really. Um, it's, it, it's oh so tight. But then on the other hand, they are the four pairs that we sort of really expected to come through. I mean, slight wild cards in Gonzalez and Roger Vasslan, but they are in unbelievable form and loving the quick conditions. They won in Basel and they won in Paris. So they are just on, an, on a winning streak and they look really, really good. Um, but yeah, tough to call. Now, while we're speaking about doubles, I think, did you tell me this, that Ram and Salisbury are staying together? Are they committed to 2024? I believe so, yes. That is... Uh, Hard to know what's rumours and what's official, but what we hear is they are yeah, they're together next year. Not the case in the WTA doubles. <laughs> it's just been, it's been a capitulation of couples. Not two words oh, I wow. ever thought I'd put next to each other. Um, so, and, it, and I'm not saying it, it can be for so many reasons. It can be the not getting on. It can be focusing on singles. It can be, whatever it is. So I'm not sort of putting anything next to this, but just in terms, I think Pagula and Goff are still sort of figuring out what they're going to do because obviously they have very heavy single schedules. Storm Hunter and Elise Mertens, they are no more. 
Uh, Krichikova and Siniakova, they are no more. And I was actually speaking to a former Czech player in Seville for the Billie Jean King Cup finals. This was before the announcement came out. and, And they were saying that there'd been quite a lot of tension within that couple for quite a while and they were actually right. quite surprised uh, possibly a little bit more from Siniakova which I think came kind of came across in the statement because it was her idea um, yeah. quite surprised they were still together next day I sent them a screenshot saying no they're not anymore I think Zvonareva, Zvonareva and Sigmund the champions in Cancun I think they are separating uh, and it just, I think Taylor Towns and Leila Fernandez, they have separated. I mean, it's basically nearly, I, I don't know, I guess maybe it's natural. Maybe it's natural. Is that it, everyone? It's <laughs> that's uh, everyone. Yeah, no, I pretty pretty much gave you everyone there, didn't I? No, there's there's a couple that are staying together. I can't remember. I think maybe Dabrowski and Routliffe might be cracking on for a right, little yeah. bit longer. But well, you get a lot of a lot of switching going on pre-Olympic year because people need to want to couple up with um, their couple up. Like it's Love Island. Um, <laughs> have you ever watched Love Island? I don't see you as a Love Island watcher. It's not. It's not my thing. I have seen it. Uh, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but it's not. It's not something that I, I'm I'm watching at the moment, right? So, um, but yes, uh, yeah, coupling up around the fire pit. Uh, I think for <laughs> oh, you know, um, fire, the fire pit. You have watched it a few times, right? <laughs> I said I'd watched it. Um, yeah, but coupling up for uh, the Olympics next year, of course, you've got to play with somebody from your home nation. You, you pair together, so you get a lot of people moving around, wanting to get a good run, a good stretch together, yep. uh, so that they can you know target that as the event and be coming in rather than as a scratch pairing playing together but then we are seeing players from the same nations who are who are splitting as well and look if it's run its course it's run its course sometimes really successful pairs it just uh you know it's just time to move on time to change it up a little bit for whatever the reason might be um but it's tough i think particularly with women's uh doubles is there's a lot of singles players in there doing a really good job and and it's difficult players want to focus on singles and look not everyone can be like Barbora and winning singles and doubles grand slam the same week and I was saying not everybody no one does that <laughs> anymore <laughs> I mean Goff's giving it a good yeah, go Goff's She's giving it a, Goff's good go. get a very good go uh, yeah and Pagula most recently has been getting good results in both but it's hard isn't it with the, with the schedules yeah. and just it you know if you're going oh yeah it's just it's just very very I mean I remember when Carolyn Garcia said to Christina Medenovic I'm going to focusing I'm going to focus on my singles that didn't go down that well remember when Irina Sabalenka was with Elise Mertens it ended nicely but she said I need to focus on on my singles for now so it's there's a lot of remember in the men's you had Herbert and Mahu and Herbert saying I'm going to focus on my singles and I'm not playing any dubs so they split of course they've been together for years and then Andy Murray came and knocking and said come on then do you want to do you want to do Wimbledon? Pierre? Yeah, and uh, Pierre played with him at Wimbledon. Don't think that went down. That too didn't well go down very Mahu. well at all. I, I think I don't think it had been run past Nicola Mahu before it happened. And I tough think, to say no. Were you Wimbledon yeah. crowd Wimbledon, playing with Andy Murray, Andy Murray on his comeback? All of that sort of stuff. But yeah. still, it, yeah, look, it can get tricky. But I, but for some people, and I've noticed this a lot more in paddle. It's a business. A paddle is only pairs, it's only doubles, but it's a business. Yeah. And for some people, I, I, we've talked about this before, I couldn't do this and my mind just doesn't work like this. But some people are really kind of cutthroat and they're kind of, I need this person because they're going to make me better and we're going to win this. So I'm sorry, I'm leaving you and I'm going with that person. If that doesn't work out, well, I'm going to go with that person. And even in paddle, there's been instances where the most successful couples have split up because their partners didn't get on. 
So yeah. the partners having to spend a lot of time together, because again, paddle, it is only doubles. They didn't get on and it got to the point where they, the, the guys had to separate on the court because the partners off the court were just having such a bad time of it with each other. Yeah, look, if you're not getting on, there's only so long you can keep going, even if you're getting good results. It just eats away. And it, it also, it just it's a life choice, right? Do you want to be spending all of that time and being dependent on somebody that you're not really getting on with? Yeah. Not really. You know, you want to be enjoying your life to an, an extent. You're going to play your best tennis if you can do that. So you do tend to get these rifts and it does it works for a time and then it just gets to the point where everyone says look it's just not it's just not going to be the case but um yeah so some interesting sort of moving around with the dubs it's always uh, fun to see where people end up and you do get scratch pairings do really well we've seen it at the olympics before it can happen especially going to get a lot of singles players in the mix as well uh so it's not um yeah, it's not as straightforward uh, as you would seem, but of course, it's such a massive goal for anyone because, um, mm. you know, so many pairs that have a chance of meddling. And we know that Belinda Bencic won't be defending her Olympic title because she's pregnant, which is why she wasn't. Well, she was in Seville at the Billie Jean King Cup finals and kind of kept everyone guessing. She said you have to wait for the nominations. But when they came out, it was revealed that she wouldn't be playing and the Swiss did not go on to defend the title because Canada currently are double world champions. They're the Davis Cup champions and the Billie Jean King Cup champions. Madness. Madness. <laughs> uh, I mean, in, in the best possible way. I mean, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, we thought that Davis Cup was looking likely, right? You you had your Shapovalov and Auger-Aliassime lining up, you know, for the last few years, thought they're going to get a Davis yeah. Cup out of this. Never won Davis Cup before. Um, and, of course, they did last year. They still got a chance of defending it. Uh, they're in the finals, the, yeah. the final eight. Uh, they'll be in Malaga next week. Um, and they actually got to the final without Ojaliasim or Shapovalov. So that was uh, uh, pretty pretty impressive. But, um, yeah, but, but, I mean, for the women, Billie Jean King Cup, I'm not sure anybody would have picked that uh, that coming. I mean, if your name's not... If you're not Czech, American, or, or French, there's been quite a lot of uh, of wins going their way over the past few decades. But um, yeah, so for Canada to be holding both, it's just absolute madness. And Fernandez, look, she was absolutely sensational. But you know, it's not like she's had a sensational year. She's had a couple of flashes, but it didn't. You know, you know what I mean? It's not like it's this has been coming. This is sort of out of nowhere. But then, hey, so was her U.S. Open final. She was starting to build a little bit of form on the Asian swing ahead of the Billie Jean King Cup finals. But she was. On fire. It was, yeah. she was just absolutely on fire. It was It was incredible to watch. It was lovely to watch. And you think their team, you've got Gabby Dabrowski, we know is going to come out for the doubles and rightly so. Had Rebecca Marino in the team. You had Eugenie Bouchard in the team. You had no Bianca yeah. Andreescu. And then you had Marina Stauchic, who 528 in the world, 18 years of age, she had been out injured for four months. She won three ITF titles in a short space of time. Captain Heidi Elterback rang her and said, I want you part of the squad. She was probably just happy being part of the squad. And then out she goes. Her first match on their kind of main tour level, she beats Rebecca Masarova of, of Spain. She did come unstuck against Barbara Krachikova. And I was, again, speaking to one of our colleagues who I wasn't working on that um, on that semi-final and just said she was just too good. That, that's when the right, it just, it was just, I said, had she run out of steam, you know, had that adrenaline worn off? He said, no, 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 Krachikova was just on a different level, on, on a different planet. But Stachet, she's 
she's fearless. She's she's tall. She got long levers. She was clubbing the ball. She was she was incredible. I mean, she was when you think what she was doing on that stage, and she came through against Martina Trevisan, Italy against Canada in the final. It was uh, it was it was. Um, I, I really love that competition because sometimes you unearth a new gem. You know, someone you haven't seen before. Or on another occasion, you get Belinda Bencic, who single-handedly kind of got Switzerland and said, right, we're going to win it this year. Thanks very much. Or you get Storm Hunter, nothing in singles, starts beating all these players through the singles last year. I just, I love it for that because we've talked about this before, but it's the way players react to team competitions. And for some people, it just elevates them to a different level. Yeah, you, you really just get the best out of them and these just uh, unbelievable results. Um, and it, it's just so fun. I mean, look, if you're Tennis Canada, you're thinking, let's invest a lot of money and bring the whole of the Billie Jean King Cup team to support her at every one of her matches yeah. <laughs> moving forward, <laughs> turning up to challenger events. Just do it. That's how you get the best out. You want her to be a, a top 50 player and a, another pro out on tour. That's the way to go about it. But there are some players that you just feel like uh yeah it just gives them such a ridiculous boost and they just always find their best tennis and um yeah it, no it, it's good fun it's good fun i'm actually going out to malaga uh next week i won't be there for the start of the tournament but i'm going out on the wednesday so i'll be uh, on commentary for the davis cup finals from the thursday which are yes from the thursday where we've got two ties on the thursday so it's busy and i'll, I'll do all the way through to the final yeah Oh, it's, I, I say I, I, I really like the team competition. I love these sort of those massive cardboard cutout heads. I Very like the person in the cockerel suit for France. Looked a little bit sad at times, but I love the fact they were there. I love the coordination of the fact the Kazakhstan fans. There was a gentleman there in his boxing gloves. Looked like he was doing boxer size through most of the ties. Yeah. There's just the instruments. I just good, I love it. The, the brass band going, oh, the drums. Yeah. I've been in brass Italy uh, the last three years for the group stages of the Davis Cup, and yeah, they, they bring out the drummers. It's very cool. Oh, it's great! I just, I just love, I love the atmosphere, and then it's everyone on the bench is jumping up and down. And for this year, for the first time at Billie Jean King Cup Finals, you could coach from the bench. I don't mean the captain. So you know, sometimes players have their respective coaches with them, so they could actually coach from the sidelines. But Alicia Mollick, the captain of Australia, who's obviously allowed to coach, she's on the bench, said that it was so noisy they had to try and get the noise levels down because. The player couldn't hear it and there were coaches from the sidelines and no one could hear anybody. Well, that's what we found at, at Wimbledon this year, wasn't yeah. it? We had you know, so much <laughs> communication coming from the boxes that a, a number of players just said, I couldn't hear anything. I don't know what they were saying, <laughs> I don't know what they were saying to me. It was it's, just yeah, way too and loud. And it's great because you've got the noise, but remember, we're indoors. They were, they were two purpose-built stadiums indoors in Seville within an outdoor stadium, if that makes sense, the centre and number one. And you had the fans banging their feet on the floor on the instruments. And so a couple of times they were like... We can't, we can't hear anything. We, we don't know what they're saying. But uh, no, I loved it. We did the first bit in London, then flew out to Seville. I've never been to Seville before. That is, that is a lovely place. And it was also, it was like 25 degrees. And that is lovely. That's really lovely. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Good choice. Well done. Lovely, well done, lovely. Good choice uh, and it's going to be back there next year. <laughs> lovely conditions. But it was, uh, it, was, it was really nicely done. It was a really lovely setting. And I got on the Sunday, the day before the final... I got invited to a little sort of lunch um, talk, a panel hosted by Katrina Adams. And on that panel, we had Conchita Martinez, who's tournament director, Arantxa Sanchez Ficaro, come over from Miami, and uh, Billie Jean King. And it was, it was really interesting that people in the audience could ask questions, but 
you know, I, I, I do like those occasions and you sit down and you learn and you, and you listen to their experiences. And we don't know how many more opportunities we'll get to be in that environment. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's lovely to be there and to have those experiences, which I thought quite nice. And also, I don't know if we're meant to divulge personal conversations that we have between each other, but we've been talking Christmas. Now, we've never spoken Christmas and decorations, but normally it's me and you're kind of looking really bored and you're like, yeah, okay, don't think we're going to get a tree. But this year, I've been getting voice notes from you dedicated to Christmas. I love it. I know. Well, you're my it. you're my go-to. <laughs> I think I even called you my Christmas guru in one of them. That is, <laughs> that is the current situation. I've never done it properly, it. as we've talked about. I've never had a tree. I've never done any of this sort of stuff. And in my head, it's always been, you know, when the kids are old enough, then we'll, you know, we'll do it and we'll do it properly. I want to make it magical. I want it to be... I want them to have the best possible memories. Um, and so I want to do that. And with my son, he's turned three. No, as baby Rog. Bigger Rog. Not so baby anymore. Um, and <laughs> toddler Rog, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's charging about and he's very excited for Christmas. So I'm, I'm coming to you to get my Christmas magic. I'm talking about the tree and how do I do it? What size do I get? What do I, what do, I do? But yeah, I'm... I'm I'm planning it all. I've got a visit to Father Christmas Lovely. booked in Lovely. as well in a grotto. That's going to happen. And you've got to be organised with this stuff. Things get very Ooh. busy and booked up, especially around where yeah. I live. Um, and, uh, yeah, so thank you for your help. I th- I, my So my so my goal is obviously for my son to have a, an amazing time. The little one, you know, she's nine months old. She can just, she'll be fine. <laughs> Twinkling lights, no, she'll, she'll be more than happy. A box to sit in. <laughs> she doesn't need the present, just a box to sit in and she'll be... Exactly, she's just some wrapping paper. It's fine, just some of the rubbish. She gets rubbish for Christmas. Well, that's what, that's what she, she gets. And actually, if, if th- this podcast is probably going to be a little bit shorter than normal, primarily because I need to get to pick up early because these Santa slots have been released. Now, not, I'm not saying that the boys who are eight believe that that is real Santa because they still they still think there is a real Santa they know that's not real Santa in the primary school grotto so I said maybe this year boys we won't do that slot you know we do we don't need we go to the Christmas fair and they said no mommy we want to go and see Santa and I said why do you want to go and see Santa the present and I was like oh so I've now got that pressure and any parent out there who's had to sign up for things will know that. That pressure of I've got to be quite near the front of the school pickup queue because everyone goes for the slots and there's not enough slots for the whole school. Oh, well, that's a bit silly, isn't oh, it? Oh, you see? So there's, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already feeling there's about, oh, there's about, I don't know, 40 or so minutes, but I'm already feeling the pressure of getting there for the Santa slots. Sometimes I feel like schools want parents to fight to the death over things, you know? I think so. A lot of this stuff is really orchestrated. Like after school clubs, you know, a lot of parents can't pick up their kids from school at three o'clock and they need to stay in after school club for an extra couple of hours. And it's like, yeah, sure. Out of the 30 kids, we'll have slots for eight of them. Good luck. Yeah. (laughs) Off you go. And if you don't book them six months in advance, you're not getting in. And you're like, oh, wonderfully. I got one of mine into a breakfast club this morning because the other one does a preschool club. So I just sort of said, look... My other half's away traveling. He's not around. Could I, could you help me out? But you're right. You you know, there's we don't have enough spaces. I'm like, oh, so I'm I'm already feeling the pressure of getting that done. But in terms of booking, like Father Christmas, like you're doing for 
toddler, Rog. Unless I'm taking mine to Lapland, which is quite expensive, yeah, quite far. They, I think they've kind of moved on from going to like a garden center and yeah. s- sitting next to him, and they're kind of like, no, and I'm like, fine. So we're kind of moving into a slightly different realm, a still believing realm, but like a different realm. So um, yeah, sorry, I just I'm I'm very into Christmas now. We had some Christmas lights switch on near us last night. I've had my first mince pie. I'm ready for some mulled wine. I'm very excited. You know me. I love this time of year. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. But this time of year is also... We've had the Billie Jean King Cup finals. We got the uh, the the ATP finals. You talked about the courts being quick. Now in Seville, they loved the speed of the courts. They said it worked for everybody, whatever kind of player. Beautifully done. I remember reading about Carlos Alcaraz, and he said, and and you're watching this, you, you're seeing the speed of the ball. He doesn't understand why it needs to be this fast. This court. Fast courts, fast balls combination. And it's a rare combination on the tour. We get slow and slow a lot, which is when you get a lot of players grumbling about elbows and this is really tedious. Uh, We get slow courts and fast balls, but we very, very rarely get fast and fast. And it's rapid. It really, really is. Um, And, uh, you know, I was looking at some of the Hawkeye numbers uh, through this week and it was something like a, a three-kilometre... We're looking at Zverev's shots, but they did back this up with the other players as well. So after Alcaraz's comments, three-kilometre difference in the serve speed from Zverev. So he's serving three kilometres faster here than he was in Paris on average. The pace of ball coming through when it travels past the baseline to the returner is 21 kilometres quicker than it was in Paris in average. So a three-kilometre difference on the average speed wow. coming off the racket is a 21 kilometer per hour difference <laughs> through to the returner. Like that's how much it's speeding up. It's a combination of the balls and and the courts. It's not, right, let me just be mm-hmm. clear. The ball is not 21 kilometers per hour quicker than when it leaves the serve. Mm-hmm. It is 21 yeah. kilometers per hour quicker than it was coming through the baseline in Paris. So it is just slowing down a lot less, like a lot, a lot less <laughs> than lot you less. think wow. it should be. God. So, uh, yeah, if that's of interest to anybody, isn't that mad? Three kilometers per hour difference on the average speed off the serve is 21 kilometers per hour of, the dif- of difference through the baseline. And that will obviously favor some players more than others. We've had Sitsipas who wasn't fit but gave it a go and people are kind of split between he knew he kind of wasn't fit, shouldn't have played. Others are saying, well, why not? You know, the guy qualified for the finals. He believed he was fit enough to give it a go, but that didn't last that long. From what I've seen of Novak Djokovic, he seems a bit tense slash grumpy. Would that be would that be fine? Not Nothing to do with the tennis he's playing, but in terms of what I've heard of interviews and he just... Although he's got the the number one, he just seems a bit a bit tense. Yeah, he was uh, a little bit grumpy after his um, his last match in the encore interview, um, which is you know yeah not normal for him at all. He's normally pretty good with that sort of stuff, but I guess it was just maybe the unpredictability. It was out of his hands. 
at that stage because he'd lost a set to her catch. He didn't know if he was through or not. He's ended up getting through, but it basically all came down to Sinner against Runa last night. And, um, you know, with Sinner w- winning the set, winning the match, you know, he's mm. he has gone through. But still, it's, uh, I suppose, maybe he just didn't didn't like it. Feels uncomfortable. It's, it's him and the young guys, really. Um uh, but that's how it always is. I mean, when we did the press at the beginning of Turin, it is, <laughs> they did this little quiz thing that, you know, they do the social media stuff and, and he was explaining it and it was just like him and a bunch of kids. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just very funny, you know, and it is with the utmost compliment and respect that I say that he is significantly older than everybody else in the tournament <laughs> because he is, but he's just he that is, good. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult. He's still going though. He could still win it. Yeah, and Yannick Sinner, I mean, he talked about how special it would be to qualify for the finals, the fact that they're in Turin. He's had a lot of commitments off the court and a lot of carrots have been wandering around following him. But in terms of his tennis, I mean, he is just going from strength to strength. It's so good. Just so good. And coming, you could see him winning the whole thing. Like, yeah, You can absolutely. absolutely see this happening. Yeah. He has been playing so well through this recent season the the Asian swing the indoor swing such quality it was so unfortunate he had to pull out of Paris after that epically late night finish Um, wasn't able to play the next day but the same day wasn't even the next day wasn't able to play the same day because of his uh, early morning (laughs) finish a few Um, hours later yeah it just um, yeah he's just got better and better he's really peaking now clearly the combination uh, or the collaboration with Dan Darren Cahill is working an absolute treat who's uh, you know rock solid beside him in, in his box and this is just the best tennis we've seen Sinner play this is it's been sort of tantalizing for pretty much since he burst through because you could see what he could be um and I, and it's just taken a little bit of time just to settle just to find uh you know that route into the top 10 but then sort of once he's cracked that he's now just flying I mean it's 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 incredible and I've said this so many times when it comes to Alcaraz Sinner and Runa just because Alcaraz has done it first does not mean when all said and done he's going to be the one with 15 slams and the others are going to have a couple here and there you don't know how this is going to pan out you could easily see somebody coming through a little bit later and overtaking and uh, becoming a bit more dominant but I mean those three are, are something else aren't they they're something really really special um, but Sinner playing the best tennis right now full stop and just to say there was a lot of finger wagging from Naomi there you know when you want to make a point you I'm just saying because he did it first and it was like a <laughs> it was like a conductor the finger was like wagging from side to side just to make the point and the other good thing to come out is it seems like Nadal will be back he said look uh, I'm going to be the one because remember we had the Australia saying hey Nadal's coming and he was like uh not sure. I mean, that's just too good from there. <laughs> just, just say it. Well, I mean, in their defence, they're going. He's on the entry list. Yeah, we so fair enough. He's entered yeah, into the yeah. tournament. So here he is. <laughs> so we're going to headline it. Um, but he has said that he didn't know a while back, but he's now pretty confident that yes, he's going to come back, and that's that's great news. I mean, he hoped we all hoped we believe it's probably this sort of last hurrah, and we've got the the Olympics. At Roland Garros on the clay next sort of what is it August time July August so it, it's it's really good news that he feels he's in a position where he can come back and also challenge he doesn't just want to come back because he loves playing tennis so much he wants to travel a lot it it's really positive news isn't it that he feels he's in a position to come back onto the tour 
Yeah, but when? Where? What's happening? I want to know. I want to know. I want to be ready. Um, yes, I don't... Uh, well, I, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised. I did not think that we would see him... Like, you know, the next time we just see a press conference and him saying, that's it, I'm done. I mean, obviously, look, the body, the body's going to dictate that, but just didn't think it was going to happen. And then, um, yeah, I think he'll be back. I don't think it's going to be a heavy schedule. I think it's going to be selective. Absolutely. And I, I think this is... It doesn't you know, need this, to be heavy. This is it. No, he, it does he's, not, he's not proving any points. There's a, there's a couple of things he still wants to achieve, but it's not about, it's not about proving anything. No, I think the Olympics has got to be the big focus. Yeah. I mean, does he have 100%. enough time to get enough matches to give himself a realistic chance at the Olympics? Um, because as you say, it's sort of made, it, it couldn't be more suited mm. to him. Um, but yeah, it's going to be about the preparation. He's not going to be able to rock up having not <laughs> not played in forever. Um, so I, I'm sure he'll be able to get a few matches. Hopefully the body holds up. But look, my best guess is this is it. I don't. I don't see there being much more uh, no. after twenty twenty four. This was a while ago, but we haven't spoken for a while on the pod. Are you, any surprise that Murray and Lendl have gone their separate ways? Oh no, no, uh, no. We talked about his match in um, uh, in Paris, and it was very yep. similar in Beijing. It was really tough to see. It's been quite uncomfortable for a while, but. Um, yeah, not surprising. Lendl hasn't been at many tournaments, really, to be honest. I think he was at the US Open. I mean, look, he always picks the good ones, doesn't he? He's not, <laughs> he's not, not slumming it. Um, but no, yeah, it didn't didn't feel like he was actually that involved recently. And, and look, it's hard when you're a coach cause, because it doesn't matter whether you're an Ivan Lendl level of coach or you're just a, a level three qualification coach. If you have a player in a mental headspace like that, what can you do? You You can't do anything this is a really difficult time for Andy and Mm -hmm. um, this is just something that you know however he's going to work through it he's going to work through he will but whatever he decides however he does it you know who knows it's good for Andy that he's got um, Davis Cup I think that's that's going to be big for him he's going to have you know good support out there because it's just only over in Malaga he's of course got his bench you know Leon Smith's been the captain for forever and has known Andy since he was tiny you know it's all very comfortable it's it's you know just everything you feel like he sort of needs right now um in terms of the so hopefully he can finish on a on a positive note but oh it's going to be tough playing Serbia and Novak has said he's locked in so and it's brutal it's a straight knockout you fly to Malaga you do all this big build-up I mean it could be done in two matches two singles could be done like that that's it so um yeah fingers crossed it won't be but uh I mean I can say that I'm I am biased towards GB <laughs> I'm not going to pretend otherwise. We know. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, we'll see. So how do you measure that in your commentary? Sorry, I was was about to say I've got to go and get my Santa slot, but obviously you're heavily biased towards you when we're talking. Do you ever find it hard in commentary when you're If you're working for the BBC, it doesn't matter. You can be as as GB focused as you like. But when you're doing the world feed, do you ever find yourself in a situation where you say to yourself, oh, just got to, you're going one, one way or the other a little bit too far? Well, as I said that, I have suddenly realised that we should probably, I should probably rewind and delete that bit. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be saying that I'm supporting GB. I might be put on the match. I don't know. I might be commentating on it. I might not be. I'm not sure. Um, no, I mean, no, I don't. Um, I don't find that. I, to be honest, I don't find that I have that much bias in general um, yeah. because I feel like I just, I try and have just such an understanding for 
you know what the players are doing and how brilliant it is you know even if somebody's playing badly it's just you know it's just difficult and you try and come at it from a, a positive place and I think I just really want the fans in the stands and at home to watch a good match um, and for tennis to just be the best it can be and you know that really just comes down to the best player winning on the day so I'm more than happy to say you know look this player's just been too good there was no way in that's just that's just how it is so yeah no I don't find the bias really um uh really bothers me too much and as I said I don't in general have that much bias I, I honestly couldn't say to you I have favorite players that I really want them to do well slightly different when you know representing nations that's you know it's just sort of yeah. built into you isn't it you know I've represented GB myself in in Billie Jean King Cup and yeah so I mean that's a little bit more different but um, but then I love I mean when I've been in when I was in Bologna earlier on this year in September um, and I mean when you've got the crowd behind Italy and everything it's just it, it's so so great so like even if they were playing GB you do often just get to the point where you're like I don't mind what happens I just want it to be great and I want everybody to walk home buzzing you know and I want everyone to feel it at home like we've just had an amazing time so yeah that's that's always what I'm hoping for Oh, well, I'm looking forward to the Davis Cup finals next week. So you're off to Malaga, weather-wise there. That'll be quite nice. The players are starting to post from idyllic islands, including the Maldives, where, although Coco Goff posted a picture on a treadmill with an oxygen mask on saying pre-season's underway. So I guess everyone is doing what they need to do. And for me right now, I've got to go and get a Santa slot. I've got to go and get two Santa slots. Otherwise, I'm going to be in trouble. Do it. Yeah, I got to do it. Um, but we will, <laughs> we will reconvene next week and chat Davis Cup finals and all sorts of bits and pieces, and have a little look back, maybe a bit more on the ATP side of things with the tour finals done. Sounds good. I might speak to you from Malaga then. Oh yeah, no, I look forward to it. Chat. Speak to you then. Bye.